You're listening to Her Faith Inspired, a podcast created for women like you looking for real connection, spiritual growth, and inspiration on their daily walk with Christ. I'm your host, Anastasia Franklin. Let's chat. Ladies, so in this episode, we're talking about failure. I absolutely hate failing at things. I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow. And honestly, failing at something is the fastest way to send me down the negative self-talk rabbit hole. And I think that this is something that we all do. So to the woman who's listening right now who feels lost or discouraged because you're going through a season of failures and disappointments... I want you to stick around because one, girl, we've all been there. And two, I think all you need is a friendly push to get you back on your feet and maybe some helpful advice when you're learning to step out on faith. So to talk about this topic today, I am blessed with the presence of a woman who has lived in the very season you're going through and has come out an inspiration to thousands of women in the social media world through her blog, collaborations, and faith-based projects. Uh, So Bailey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me, Anna. I am Bailey, obviously, and I write at thethinplace.net. I have been doing it there for about two years. Um, It's been really great. It's a role I never thought I'd be stepping into, but through a lot of disappointment, God ended up opening up this opportunity for me to share. Wow. And I know you impact so many people from that. Um, so how about you tell us a little bit about your blog and, you know, what it was meant for and why you started it? Yeah, so I started writing about two years ago. Um, my husband and I realized that biological children, which had always been a big part of our plan for our marriage and our lives, were was just not going to be an option. It looked like God had really closed that door. And I started reading online other blogs um, from people who'd been going through infertility, specifically faith-based writers who had struggled with this, like, why us, God? Why are we going through this when there are so many people who have children they don't even want, and here we are begging for children, and you're holding them from us. And so seeing their faith really inspired me. And as I was coming through that season, I realized that God had given me a story and a vision that needed to be shared with others to inspire them as well. So that's kind of how I got started. And then God took it a bunch of different directions. Um, but but it kind of with that same premise of what is my story and how can I steward that story well in a way that can encourage and equip other Christians? Wow, that is so brave of you. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I feel like sometimes uh, we can get, become so consumed when our lives don't turn out the way that we had imagined. So the fact that you created a blog and, and built a community I mean, that that's awesome. Well, really. it just, for me, it was a natural overflow of the women who poured in to me when I was in that spot. Yeah. Like, I realized that was the best way to give back to them and to offer up thank you to God was to then kind of pass the torch along and carry what he'd given me. What have been, like, the common, um, maybe, like, things that people have been struggling with, women have been struggling with um, in your position? Like, what has the been... What has been the common, most common thing that you've you've heard from that community or that you've even felt? The most common thing I found is isolation. Like I am the only one going through this and this is terrible and I can't talk to anyone about this because it's shameful. Mm. Whether it's infertility or depression or just feeling like they're lost in their faith 
a lot of people tend to really close themselves off. And I think that's a lie that the enemy tells us to keep us from having the hope that is in Christ is that we shut ourselves down. We don't utilize our local churches. We don't utilize our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we think this is it. And I'm all alone. That's so true. I think um, a lot of times we forget to, like you said, reach out to people. Um, Remember that people are going through the same thing. And that's why I love social media. And that's why I love um, just being able to be so connected. Um, Because now um, you can go online and find people just like you, you know, and you realize that the world isn't, you know, as as big and you're not as alone in it as you thought. Exactly. Is that how you felt, you know, when you were doing research about uh, what you struggled with? It was so helpful. I It was like for the first time, my eyes were open to realizing how common these problems were and that I wasn't alone. And not only was I not alone in the world, but that I probably wasn't even alone in my circle of friends. Wow. And that was true. It like gave me the empowerment I needed to know that I can talk to these people around me because chances are, if they're not going through the same thing, they know someone else who's gone through the same thing, or it could even be their struggle themselves. And that was true with several friends who I had no idea that they were going through similar things or had gone through similar things. And we were able to connect at a deeper level than I ever imagined because what I was reading empowered me to open up that conversation. Wow. And I know that you've had a lot of experience with disappointments um, and failures. Um, So can you tell us, you know, maybe three of maybe the most defining moments um, of failure or disappointment in your life? Yeah, I think the first uh, moment that really kind of, I would say, started a downward spiral of several moments of failure and disappointment was when um, we found out we weren't probably going not to be able to have children. And I also um, was getting diagnosed with a chronic illness at the time that left me kind of on the couch in debilitating pain um, for the better part of a year. And my husband was deployed at the time. So I was totally alone. And we were out in Hawaii, which sounds very idyllic. But for us, it just meant we were really far away from family. Mm. And so I was out there by myself and really disappointed in God that he would let this happen to me because I was the good Christian girl who had done everything right and followed all the right steps and checked all the boxes. And so I shouldn't have this level of disappointment in my life. I hadn't deserved it, or so I thought. And so I really was just greatly disappointed in myself for my body failing me and in in God for letting this happen, which then led to a season of depression, which was really hard because then I felt like a failure. Like now, not only has my body failed me, but I can't even get my mind to do what I need it to do. It's also failing me. And I failed God and those around me because I have nothing to offer up to any of them. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, I'm just, I'm, I'm out. Um, which led to kind of a, it was a strange season of lows and highs in my spiritual walk where I felt like I did not have a lot to offer God or to offer anyone. And that felt like a complete failure, but it also led to one of the most fruitful moments in my faith. Wow. Um, so what would you tell Bailey, um, then at that point in your life, you know, what would you say to her? That it's okay because he does have the rest. I know my mom homeschooling me growing up. I would always, I was very much type A child and she was not type A. And so I would freak out because 
we did not have all the boxes checked that I thought we needed to have checked. And she would say, Bailey, God has called me to homeschool and this is all I have today. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, but he's going to have to fill in the gaps in what he's called me to. And what I would say to myself during that season is he will fill in the gaps in what he's, he called me to. And while it was a surprise to me to be diagnosed with chronic illness and to go through infertility, it was never a surprise to God. And he had prepared me and those around me to go through that season. And when I had nothing left to give, he still had plenty to give me. And so I didn't need to feel like I needed to offer something up to him because he was there. He didn't need me to offer anything. He had it. So is that what faith looks like to you? Um, Yeah, I think faith looks like trusting that God does have it, even when we can't see it. I think faith is that hope in what we cannot see. And so up until that point in my life, there'd been a lot that I could see very tangibly that it was easy to trust God because I could see it was right there. I could see the end picture. I could see that all things were working together. But that came the moment where I couldn't see how this was going to work together. And in a lot of ways, I still can't see it all. That's still a daily struggle. Like, God, do you really, are you going to work all this together? But I think that faith is trusting that even when we can't see the end picture, we know he's working all things together. Yeah. And I think um, we actually, um, I had a conversation with a friend about this um, and we were just kind of joking about how people talk about faith and it like, they make it like sound so easy. And I think sometimes people forget that it really is like a hard thing to do, you know, um, right. Stepping out on faith. You're, sometimes you're stepping out into unknown waters. Like literally you don't know where God is about to take you or what he's about to do in your life, but you're just trusting that, you know, he's got you. Well, because that is if if we knew what was happening, if we could control it, if we could plan it out we wouldn't need to have faith. Yes. It's in those seasons where we are helpless that we have to rely on him and have to have faith in him like we hadn't before. So really in a lot of ways, this, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people who says, oh, this was all a blessing because a lot of times it doesn't feel like a blessing <laughs> and it still doesn't feel like a blessing, but it has blessed me in that. It has allowed me to see this faith and has allowed me to lean on God in a way that I would have never that I had never had to previously, and that I may have never had to otherwise. Wow. And so um, I was thinking about, um, I've had um, friends that have dealt with infertility and things like that. Um, same thing that mm-hmm. you've struggled with and you're struggling with. Um, and the first thing someone always says that I feel is so insensitive is like, have you considered adoption, you know? Um, yes. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> but right, we thought about it. so what have like what have been your steps um going forward from this um we still aren't sure right now um we I just graduated and my husband is in school and so we are taking time to kind of recover my husband was in the military and he just got out and we left Hawaii and are back close to family which has been um kind of a lovely season of healing like personally and in our marriage um because as I mentioned before, a lot of this we went through while my husband was deployed. And so we went through it separately. Mm-hmm. And so being able to process these things together and kind of determine what is our next step? Does God, is this what God has for us? Does he want us to adopt? Does he want us to keep pursuing biological children in other ways? Does he want us to, maybe he does not want us to have children. 
maybe he has a plan for us that's different than we imagined and it involves us not having children. Um, So we're not really, not quite sure what the plan is. We're just trusting God kind of day by day to make it clear as we go forward. Um, And so for those um, that are listening that are married, um, what advice would you give them to look for as far as um, support wise from their spouse when they're dealing with, you know, uh, these seasons of failure and, and disappointment? I think the first thing is that you need to be honest and open with your spouse, but that your spouse cannot be your only person. Um, because that is, it's very all consuming. And I'm so grateful for a husband who's incredibly supportive and incredibly helpful and encouraging, but he hadn't been through this in the same way I had. We went through different things kind of isolated because he was deployed. And so we had very different experiences and even just differences in that I'm a woman and and he's a man and we process things very differently. And so, yes. I think while I needed, I needed to be open with him and I needed to rely on him and we needed to encourage one another. I also needed outside support, which is something that I think a lot of women, particularly going through infertility, really struggle to reach for outside support and to trust other, other people. We tend to close off. We tend to think that um, it's a weakness or it's a shameful thing or, or, and it is something especially in infertility is something that you do deal with as a couple. So you need to make sure your spouse is okay with you talking with other people, but having that outside support and realizing that other people are rooting for you in your marriage, not just you and your spouse, I think was really key for us that we, we knew we had other support. We talked with friends from our church who'd gone through infertility. Some of them had children, some of them did not. And being able to listen to their wisdom, walking down the path several years ahead of us. And just knowing that these people went through it and we really admire them and their marriage and their lives. Even though like we have one friend who had children and one couple who did not have children and being able to say they're both okay and we'll be okay too was really helpful. I think that's like one of the biggest things that we struggle with as women, especially because we're constantly fed, you know, like, this is what your life should look like. This is what you should do. This is what, you know, exactly. this is the the timeline that, you know, you're supposed to go through. And this is exactly how it's supposed to be done to be done right. Exactly. And I think in the church, even, it can be a bigger issue. Like, I know, for me, it is still very hard to go to church. I, I do, because I'm supposed to, because God commands us to. But, and because I know that it can be very life-giving and fruitful. But at the time, especially like when it was very fresh, I realized that church is one of the only places where family isn't an option. Family is expected. And with good reason, God loves children. And Mm -hmm. I think that we do well for ourselves in our marriage and we are open to children. But it was very hard being, at one point we were the only couple in our church without children. Wow. And that was like, that was a kick to the stomach. And so going every week and being willing to celebrate with people, even as I ask them to grieve with me, like that you know, verse in, I think it's Ecclesiastes, rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve. It took on a whole new meaning when I had to start rejoicing with people and didn't feel like it. But it was also very healing. And so God calls us to these communities that are very countercultural because culture told me, I should shut myself off and not go to the baby shower because it would probably be too hard. But God's word told me 
I need to rejoice with those who are rejoicing mm-hmm. and grieve with those who are grieving. And so I went to, went to baby showers and it was hard, but it was also very healing and helpful to pour into something bigger than myself and to see beauty in children and babies and pregnancy again that had been hard for me to feel. Like I said, you are just an amazing, <laughs> amazing woman. I personally, I know this is like, um, I, I don't want to say every woman's, but you know, most women, I know it's personally my worst fear. Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with something like that, I can't even imagine how isolating it must be. Um, mm-hmm. Even um, with me and my husband, um, just getting just getting married, and it's hilarious. Um, and we go to church, and then the first thing everybody asks is like, "So when are you guys having kids?" Uh-huh. And I'm like, "You guys, we just got married two weeks ago. I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like things didn't like change all of a sudden. You know, it's right. like, man, <laughs> it's immediately. So I know we all get to that point um, when we're struggling with things, and maybe we try to um, join in the rat race type of thing, or we try to." Um, beat the odds ourselves or we try to do it in our own strength did you ever have any of those moments and if you did how did that work out um I am a compulsive researcher so I would say that is that was my manifestation of taking it on in my own strength was trying to logic out and reason out and if I just had the right information then I could probably fix this Mm. and so there was a lot of a lot of that, which was in my own strength in a way, but was also, it was kind of a weird, you know, we should, we should get information. We should try to be good stewards of what we have and what we can do. Um, but it, it became nearly an obsession to try to find out and figure out and just get the right information because then I could find the right solution and then all would be well, instead of trusting that God would provide the right solution Mm -hmm. and would open the right doors. So when was that moment for you when you just decide to let go and, and let God, you know? Um, I don't think there was a single moment. I think it was it was a process okay. of having doors slammed in my face because my research did not work out because these issues are infinitely more complex than I ever imagined they would be. <laughs> um, and And also just having believers come alongside me who could pray with me and encourage me and renew my faith because I, I was really struggling in my faith. I felt like I did not have anything to offer God or anything to give. And that I was just kind of going through the motions and, and what that there just seemed like nothing. Like, what could I even, is this real faith if I'm just going through the motions? And so it was just hard to feel like, is this my own strength? Is this God's strength? I don't know, because I don't, I felt like I did not have strength to offer up. And so I felt like I was kind of doing, it was just frantic. Everything just felt very frantic and also apathetic, which seems very contradictory. Um, but it just felt like um, desperate is probably the right word. But like I did not have the energy or emotional capacity to move on and do anything in my own. Wow. And I, I think that's when God really does just kind of step in, at least um, for me in those moments when I felt just lost and just like I'm grasping at strings. He's like, OK, you know, here you go. Like, I'm, I'm going to give you a line, you know, but I, I need you to trust me on this. Um, right. What would you say to um, someone that may be in your shoes right now 
or um, are is struggling with failure in a, in another form or fashion, what would you say is the first step? Um, you know, to help kind of um, move through the season in a positive way. Yeah, I think the first step is to go back to the basics and just to recognize that we are like specifically for me when I was dealing with the depression that came along, which kind of led to a lot of spiritual apathy and Mm -hmm. confusion and disillusionment. I had to go back to the basics and say, I don't have anything to offer God, but that's always been the gospel is that I have nothing. I have my sin and he has his grace and mercy. And so I need to recognize that I don't have anything to offer. I never had anything to offer, even when I felt like I was at my best. And that's okay. And God's okay with that. And we're going to move forward. And he's going to do the work because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's what he's promised us in scripture. And so being able to kind of step back and rest in that and trust that promise, I think is the first step. And I think the second step then is to do what you know to do. And so I think we all have things that we know we should be doing spiritually. And I know in my own life, during rough seasons especially, I tend to not do them because I feel apathetic about it. And I bought into the lie that if my heart wasn't really in it, I shouldn't do it at all. But again, I think that's a lie the enemy tells us to keep us from doing the things that God has given us to help grow us and strengthen us. Yes. While I think we you know, should eventually have a heart that wants to pray and read our Bible and fellowship with other Christians and serve the poor. Sometimes we just, we don't feel like doing it, but God tells us that if we love him, we'll obey his commands. And so just starting and saying, I might not feel like this, but God, I'm still going to obey you and give me the desire to desire to do this. And just pick up your Bible and read a couple of verses from the Psalms because the Psalms, oh my word. The Psalmists, yes. they went through this stuff. <laughs> they know what it's like. Yes. <sighs> Once on the end, darkness is my only friend. I was like, yes, this is me. <laughs> I feel this way. Yep. Like, it's good to know that God's people have felt this way for thousands of years. Yes. And it's still the same God and he's still good. That's so true. I think that's like, we, we forget, you know, like, um, I think on social media too, it's been like totally like, um, disillusioning people I don't even know that's a word uh yes but um you know um I like to like this just weird you know like perfect um you never do anything wrong you never feel any type of disappointment you never feel any type of moments where you're just lost you never feel any moments where you're disappointed in God you know um Mm -hmm. and I think that the Bible just if you if you read the Bible you see many instances you know where God's followers, God's people have been like, hey, what what is going on? You know, what am I supposed to do? Right. And I think we we see that on social media. We either see that everything is perfect or everything was past tense, terrible, but it's doing better now. Yes. And we don't see a lot of the the in-between. The things are things are really bad. And I'm still trusting God, but I don't know what's gonna happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's, I think this, again, part of the problem with social media is that we're limited from those relationships where we can be honest and vulnerable because we're putting it out there to, you know, a thousand, two thousand people. Yes. And not everyone always needs to know that. 
But it creates this world where we think then when we see people in real life in our churches in the hallways and you say, how are you doing? Everyone says, oh, I'm fine. And you don't get those times to connect and to be vulnerable and real and share in the struggles that scriptures told us we're going to have and that we need each other for. Um, I think that, you know, one of the best ways to combat that is just to, like you said, be honest, be um have those moments of vulnerability. I think um, oftentimes when we're struggling, sometimes we might get like, we might close ourselves in or close ourselves off um, from the church in general, um, which mm-hmm. I remember my uh, grandma used to say this all the time, you know, if you're going through something, the first place you should go is church, you know, um, you know, but I feel like a lot of times maybe we withdraw from church because maybe we feel you know, lesson or, you know, um, we don't want to pretend, mm-hmm. you know, when we go through the doors because people are going to ask you, how are you doing? And you're going to say, I'm doing fine, but really <laughs> it's not fine. Well, and I think I just keep getting back to the, like lies the enemy has fed us in the modern church that we, I realized during this time, people kept telling me, you just need to rely on Jesus. You just need to rely on Jesus. You can't rely on the people around you. You got to rely on Jesus, which is true. We we need to rely on the Lord. Mm-hmm. But He's told us that the church here on earth right now is His hands and feet. It is His body, mm-hmm. and so I need to rely on the body of Christ because that is one of the tools God has given me to deal with this. And if I'm not willing to deal with to work with and lean on the tools He's given me, then I feel like. Um, I'm like the toddler on Facebook who's crying because they want something to eat and then they're upset because it's on a blue plate and you know yep <laughs> the guy and God's up there like Bailey I told you right there the church this is these are my hands and feet this is my body I'm working through them in your life mm-hmm. why are you just I need to rely on Jesus he's he's in the church yes and and we need to see that and recognize that and and rely on it yeah so I I definitely want to encourage um you know, whoever's listening right now, um, for whatever reason, in my spirit, I just feel like, um, you know, it's just important to know that you should feel comfortable relying on the people of God, relying on the church, Mm -hmm. um, to not withdraw, to not um, isolate yourself, even though you might feel isolated. Uh, One of the things that I've learned is that just because I might feel a certain way doesn't mean that that's reality, you know? Right. and I just think that it's just really important to make sure you're you're connecting with people and that you're surrounding yourself with people who will uplift you and encourage you um, and, like you said, grieve with you um, and not close your doors off because I feel like that just opens the door to so much more hurtful things within, you know. And I would also encourage anyone listening, if you're not sure if there's someone in your church who's walked through what you're going through, whether it's infertility or depression or something else, ask your pastor, ask if you can meet with them and say, Hey, is there someone who you think either has gone through this or would be willing to support me in this? Because even where we just moved to a new area and I met with a woman from our church and she was like, Oh my word. And rattled off, I think four or five couples in leadership in the church who were walking through or had walked through infertility. And I had no idea. 
And that was such an encouragement to me, but I would have never known had I not asked. That was Bailey Susio, an amazing woman with extreme passion and just an awesome testimony to share that's impacted me and so many women. Um, if you want to get in contact with her, you definitely can do that at The Thin Place on Instagram. And you can also go to her website, thethinplace.net. Her website, her blog is an awesome, awesome place for resources. So many blog posts that you can apply to your everyday life. Um, so I definitely encourage you to shoot on over there. All right, ladies, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to screenshot it and post it to your Instagram. You can tag at herfaithinspired or at anastasia.c.franklin um, so we can see it and so you can encourage your friends along the way as well. Also, don't forget to visit herfaithinspired.com for more encouraging posts and relatable and applicable tips that you can apply to your everyday daily walk with Jesus. Also, we have a Facebook group now and a Facebook page, and it's Her Faith Inspired. So if you would like to see more encouraging stuff on your Facebook feed, definitely give us a nice thumbs up, a nice follow. This is your host, Anastasia Franklin, and I can't wait to talk to you soon.